0: Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Would it be okay if we open uh, God's Word together Today, we began a series last week called Enough is Enough. Thanks for those that have reached out and just let us know. Man, this God is working in my heart, in my life. That encourages us, it helps us to know uh, that the Word of God does not return void. That's what we believe. And this series is really built around a question. And the question is simply this Is God enough for you? For me? Is God enough? And as we kind of dove in last week and asked that question, there were some other questions that began to surface. There are some other questions that you guys began to ask. And and these are great questions. Questions like this. What's the difference? You know, if if I say that that he is enough for all my needs, what's the difference, Adrian, between a need and a want? It's a great question. Uh, If I say that God is enough for me, But what if I look at my bank account, I'm poor, I don't have anything right now. What does that mean for me to say God is enough? What if some of you, what, what about a time, that time, Adrian, that I prayed to God and he didn't come through like I asked him to? What then? Man, these are great questions. And actually, I'm going to give a shameless plug here for for midweek. Once uh, in the middle of our week on Wednesday, some of you have been hopping on and joining us. It's great. Uh, We we began to dive into these questions this week. These are questions that we're going to tackle again this morning. But each and every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, you can jump online with us. Or after the fact, you can watch kind of on demand on our YouTube channel. We've already got eight Episodes of, 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 we'll call this season one, right? So, eight episodes in uh, each and every week. So, if you have yet to join in, it's another way to connect and go deeper to the content that we're diving into on Sunday morning. But this morning, we're going to dive into these questions. And I want to begin with a a little bit of a story from my past week. We uh, were doing a little bit of remodeling in the house. I guess if you get stuck inside for long enough, you'll do anything, you know. So we've already pulled the weeds. I shared that a couple weeks ago. Now we're changing stuff out. So we had to replace a sink, a pedestal sink. Um, some of you, like, that's your jam. You can do that, no problem. Well, that's, that's not my jam. Maybe you can tell by looking at me and how I've shared before that I'm not super handy. But I, I, I was committed, man. We were going to do this, and I could figure it out. And so I had studied. I mean, I had watched the YouTube tutorials. You, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I had looked, and I had studied the directions, which... That takes long enough, you know. I had been to the store, not once, but twice already, and and I began the process of kind of took the old sink out. That was pretty easy to put the new one in, and a couple hours in, I would put it in. Something didn't go right. I took it back out, doing something. Put it back in, took it out. Had to borrow a saw, cut something down, try it. And eight plus hours in, I've got this sink, and i got to tell you, it looked pretty good. I mean, Lauren picked it out, so I mean, it looked good. I mean, the, the, the color, the faucet, everything, it looked good, but then came the moment of truth. And you know what I'm talking about if you've ever done any plumbing, because it looked real good. But the moment of truth came, and the moment of truth is when you turn the water back on, and that's the moment of truth, because it doesn't matter at that point how good your sink looks and oh, it's level, and ooh, look at the nice fixture and that pretty sink and all that because the moment of truth came, and I'm here to tell you there were some leaks happening in the sink. <laughs> and we hired a plumber to fix it all, right? Right? I did not succeed, but but I tell you that story because I actually believe that we are in a season right now in our nation, in our world, that, that we are in a season, and I would kind of call it the moment of truth. And we've had these moments before in our lives, but right now it's kind of like one big moment of truth that's happening all throughout our our country and our nation and our world. And and at the moment of truth, it doesn't so much matter how things look on the outside. It may look on the outside like everything's going well, but in the moment of truth, it's when the leaks start to show. It's when the cracks start to form because the moment of truth, when push comes to shove, we begin to see we begin to see if the foundation will hold. We'll begin to see if everything was really put together as it should be. And I tell you that today because I want to address today what I believe is one of the biggest leaks. <laughs> in these days, it's one of the biggest leaks that has been exposed in many of our hearts in a time of crisis. I believe, I believe that this is one of the struggles that we have. You see, fear is real. But you know what fear does? What it really does is it exposes what is really happening in our hearts. And so what I want to talk to you today as we dive into week two of our series, Enough is Enough, is I want to talk to you about some of the leaks, some of the cracks deep within our hearts. They may not be visible on a normal daily basis, but in times of crisis, when the moment of truth comes, we begin to see what's really going on within. And, and to do that, we're really going to focus uh, primarily on Matthew chapter 6 today. And this is Jesus preaching a sermon It's good to know Jesus preached some too, right? And this is not just any sermon. This is the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a pretty long one. It's a pretty important one. He said a lot of really important things in Matthew chapter 6. And that's where we're going to be today, and I believe Jesus exposes us. He exposes the leaks. He exposes in the moment of truth, in the moment of crisis, when push comes to shove, he exposes what could be one of the most fatal flaws that you and I have, and and I want to share that with you now. And so we're going to begin reading, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. If you have your YouVersion Bible app, man, pull that out. We've got an event set up there. It's a great way you can save your notes, you can come back to them, you can share notes with other people. Uh, some of you, you, you got your, you know, your beta version, right? That's awesome. Pull out your Bible and let's dive in deep to God's word. Uh, this is the word of the Lord for us today. Matthew 6, starting with verse 25, it says this, therefore I tell you, this is Jesus, this is red letters in my Bible, this is Jesus talking. He's saying, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. I want to pause for a minute there in your scripture and pause because some of you that know me a little bit or you've been a part of our church for a while now, you'll know that oftentimes when there's a word in scripture, I stop and I pause. And this scripture is important because it begins with a word right there, therefore, therefore. And look, the, sermon, the whole Sermon on the Mount would be great. We could spend weeks and weeks and months on that, and we're not going to do that today. But we can't start at verse 25 with the word, therefore, and understand that this is connected. What Jesus is saying, it's important stuff, do not worry, but it's in connection to the thought that came right before it. And the thought that came right before it is so critically important that I want to pause and look back for just a minute. Would you go back just a sentence before verse 25 and dip into verse 24? I have it here on the screen and see what it is, the idea that Jesus is connecting it to. He's saying this, you cannot serve both God and money. And there we have it. (laughs) There we have the leak. There we have the crack that is often, I'm just going to talk about me for a minute, when push comes to shove, when the moment of crisis occurs, the moment of truth occurs, this is, for many of us, one of the fatal flaws because you see when things aren't going bad and when things aren't going, when, when it's not in the moment of truth, right, we can kind of operate within a system and a worldview where we have more than one master. We serve the Lord and we serve stuff and we serve uh, our, our job and our career and our ego and we serve the Lord and we serve all these different things. We can have these different idols and these different gods, but the problem is when the foundation of our lives is shaken, that doesn't really cut it anymore, Jesus talked a lot about money. Some of us wish he didn't. It's convicting and it's hard, but why did Jesus talk about money so much? You see, Jesus knew something that was very true about you and about me. He knew that oftentimes, and again, just in my life, this is is often true, that if God wants my whole heart... And that's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. If Jesus wants our whole heart, oftentimes there's a direct connection between my heart and my checkbook and my wallet. Some of you don't even know what a checkbook is. I get you right. Uh, But between my heart and my wallet, oftentimes there's a direct connection. It's not bad to have stuff. But Jesus doesn't want our stuff to have us. And so when he's talking about money, he understands that for many of us, it is the last thing. It is the biggest thing holding us back from fully surrendering. And so now Jesus is beginning this passage on do not worry, beginning this passage that we're going to read on enough is enough. And he reminds us that you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot. Either you will serve the Lord God or you will serve the Lord money, but you can't serve both because what happens in the moment of truth? What happens when the foundation of our our livelihood is shaken like it has been in this season? Those of us that are trying to serve God and serve stuff, we're shaken, aren't we? I mean, those of us, maybe we didn't even realize it, but those of us that are putting our trust in stuff, in our 401k, in our job, in our career, in a, almost immediately some of us realize just how fragile a system it is all around us. Immediately when the moment of truth comes, it exposes the leaks, doesn't it? And Jesus says, man, this is so important. You cannot serve God and serve money. You cannot bow down at the altar of stuff and bow down and worship me. And so because of that, next slide, because of that we understand, he says you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, everything else we're about to read is based on that idea that you've got to choose who it is that you're going to worship. You're going to have to choose who it is that you're going to trust in the time of crisis, in the moment of truth. Who is it that you're going to trust? Therefore, because of that, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Let's continue. Let's continue. It says this, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Uh, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, Jesus said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus is using a very practical example here, right? The birds of the air, the birds of the air, and your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them, so, so you don't have to worry, he says. But then, let's go on, he gives another practical example, starting in verse 28. He says, and why, why do you worry about clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor and spin. So first birds and now flowers, right? Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith again. Jesus is drawing very practical examples, but this is good news for some of us because you see some of us, even after this past week when we were leaning into this idea of is God enough, some of us buy into this lie that God is enough for my spiritual needs, but God's not all that concerned about my physical needs. God's not really all that concerned about my financial needs. Really, the spiritual needs he provides, but everything else, it's kind of up to me. And to that, I say Matthew chapter 6, because Jesus says, don't worry about your physical needs. Don't worry about the basic necessities of life. Look how I provide for the birds. Look at the beautiful flowers in the field. Then he would go on and say this, so... Again, do not worry. Not once, that's twice, multiple times. Jesus says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And then he says this, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. The Greek uh, language, the original Greek that was written here, that idea. The pagans run after. It's this idea of kind of clawing and scraping and desperately grabbing. That's what the pagans do. They're desperately grabbing for the tangible things of life, for the things, the material things around them, like the toilet paper aisle at Walmart. Right, right. I, I'm not hating on you. I get it. We all need it. But I mean, seriously, like the pagans are running after these things, desperately grabbing the the, the stuff. The tangible things that will be here today and gone tomorrow, that's what the pagans do. But, but Jesus says, no, 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 your heavenly father already knows what you need. And then I said all that to get us to this. It may seem familiar to you, these words, Matthew 6, 33. But in contrast to all that, the worrying, the pagans running after, desperately grabbing after the material things of this world. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says something that may be familiar to you. If you've grown up in the church or you're familiar with the Bible, Matthew six you've heard it before, but let's not miss Let's not miss this profound message that Jesus is saying. Because some of you today, you get concerned about this idea, what's the difference between a want and a need in my life? And here's the beautiful truth. Here's the beautiful reality. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because to Jesus... This is, this is, there's a one-step process, right? There's a one-step plan in, in to Jesus providing all our needs. And this is what it goes. How can you be sure you will have what you need? It's one step, ready? Step one, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There are no other steps. And so today, you may be thinking of something in your life and you say, well, I don't know if this is a one or if this is a need. It doesn't matter because what we are to do is we are to bring everything we have every desire, every dream, every need, every want, every care. We're to lay them at his feet and say, God, I seek you first. I'm not going to worry about the temporary things. I'm not going to worry about the tangible things that I I do need. I need clothes. I need to eat. But I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to seek first your righteousness, not my righteousness, not my good deeds, but your righteousness in your way for me. And when I do that, Jesus says, when I seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all these other things will be added. In other words, when I seek his kingdom, I find his kingdom. When I seek his righteousness, I find his righteousness and bonus points, all those other little things that you need to It's the beautiful promise of Matthew chapter six. You see what Jesus desires, what our Lord, our savior, the God who created you, what he desires today is that each and every one of us would be at a place laying every single desire before him, offering him all that we are, acknowledging that, yeah, he's enough. I really wanna close Uh, with the remainder of my time, with a story. I think story is powerful. And one of the reasons I love the stories of the Old Testament, even though, can we be honest, sometimes they're a little weird, right? Uh, But powerful, and there is a story in Genesis chapter 22 that I think is so powerful for us, and I think it illustrates perfectly this idea of understanding that he is enough. All of our needs, we can lay every dream and every desire and everything we have at his feet and trust him because he is enough the story if you turn there in Genesis 22 where we're going to close today it's of a man named Abraham we talked about him a couple weeks ago that God used Abraham Uh, even at an old age Abraham and his wife Sarah had a dream they had a, a deep desire in their heart to have a son and God granted that desire miraculously and so that he was, uh, Abraham became a father. But God promised you're going to be the father of many nations. And through Abraham, he became uh, really the father of the nation of Israel. Through his offspring, we get Jesus. We get God's chosen people, the Israelites, throughout uh, the Old Testament. We read them, and ultimately, it leads us to Jesus. So Abraham is a pretty important dude. But in Genesis 22, we see kind of a weird story, a troubling story for some of us. Because God speaks to Abraham and God says, you know, Abraham, I want you to take your son. Yeah, remember the blessing that I gave? Remember the miracle? Your son, Isaac, I want you to take him up to the mountain that I'm going to show you. And I want you to offer him to me a sacrifice. That word sacrifice, that's kind of a weird term, but in Old Testament understanding, this was a part of worship. Worship involved uh, making a a sacrifice, a blood offering, a a payment of sins to God. This was part of their worship, and so God instructs Abraham and says, I want you to bring Isaac up onto the mountain, and I want you to offer him to me. And it says, Abraham obeyed. And we're going to start reading in verse 6 of Genesis uh, chapter 22. We're gonna go through this pretty quickly, but I wanna land at the end of the story, and I want you to see the powerful way that I believe God provides. Genesis 22, starting with verse six, it says this, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. I want you to see that visual. The wood for the offering, the kindling for the fire is laid upon Isaac's back, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I can't imagine what each of them were thinking. (laughs) goes on to say this. uh, In verse 9, when they reached the place, God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it and he bound his son Isaac he laid him on the altar on top of the wood he reached out his hand he took the knife to slay his son I can't imagine that scene but the angel of the Lord called out from heaven and said Abraham Abraham here I am he replied do not lay a hand on the boy he said Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over. He took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided man we could spend a lot of time on this story and if and i'm going to be kind of honest with you this story kind of bothers me what why would god ask abraham to do that what kind of what kind of gumption does it take right god for you, you ask him to go take his son and sacrifice him on the mountain what kind of god is that but yet something really powerful happens in this story. Yes, Abraham is obedient, but I want you to look again if you have your copy of Scripture open. I want you to see in verse 14, you may miss it. You may miss it because in my version of verse 14, it goes on to say this really cool thing. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, but it's all in, in kind of uppercase letters in my Bible. I don't know what your Bible looks like. And see, the more you understand that Genesis was originally written in Hebrew, and if you study the original Hebrew, you understand that what we're seeing here is really a translation of the Hebrew. And what it is, is it's, it's actually a name for God. That on this mountaintop, as Abraham lays down the biggest blessing he's ever, the, the biggest uh, desire and passion and dream he's ever had, he lays it before the Lord uh, on the altar and God provides. And Abraham doesn't just say, ooh, look. This is the God who provides. Look at the things that he does for me. No, no, no. He stops. And here in verse 14, he says that he is in Hebrew, it says Jehovah Jireh. And that is translated, the Lord will provide. Literally what Abraham says is the name of God. The name of God is that he provides. You see, providing is not just something that God does for us. It is who he is. And in this moment, Abraham is overcome with emotion and understanding that God, to know you, God, is to know that you provide because that's your name. Your name is Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider. And there on the mountaintop, he experiences more than just... That God does something. No, 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 but who God is. I believe, church, I believe God wants to move us to a new place, a new season, where we don't just ask God to do stuff for us. We don't just send up a list of requests and say, God, meet my needs. Here it is. This is what I need, and this is what I need, and this is what I need. But instead, we allow God to become what we need. Man, do you see the difference? I think some of us are so busy praying and kind of like the pagans, chasing and running and grasping after things and desperately telling the Lord, oh, I need this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. And God so desperately in those places of need, instead of just giving us what we need, he wants to become what we need. It's who he is. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. See, I don't wanna lean on what I think I need. I wanna lay everything I have on the altar and say, lead me, Lord, it's all yours. Isn't that what Abraham did? It's all yours, God. It's all yours. You see, the truth is more than anything, God wants us, he wants to become what we need. I've been thinking this week and I said it this way. You see, our needs aren't met Because God does, no, but because he is. Think about that right now. The needs in your life, they're not met just because God does stuff. That's my like magic wand thing. I don't know, if that's a terrible sound, but I'm just spitting into the mic. But that's what God. Zap, there's that. that, that, that there. I'm providing, I'm providing, I'm providing. Thank you, God. It's like a genie in the sky, and we pray, and he does, and he does, and he does. You, you see, that's not, that's not the way that God truly is enough. That's not the way that he truly is the provider. It's not because God does, but because he is. And the reason that we can know that God is enough for us. Is because we move out of a place of just asking Him to do and to do and to do and to do. And we move out of that place and we move into relationship, right? We move into relationship where we seek first His kingdom and we seek first His righteousness. And in doing that, we understand it's not God that does things. Where, no, it's who He is. Our needs aren't met because God does, but because God is. He wants to bring us into a new season where we trust in Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But there's one more thing. So you fast forward from the story here. And one moment in the story that always puzzled me a little bit. If you look in verse eight, Abraham speaking to Isaac and Isaac saying, where's the sacrifice coming from? And and Abraham says, God will provide the lamb." But interesting, if you look down in the story and you look at the moment of truth in Abraham's life where he lays his son on the altar, God provides, but he provides a ram, not a lamb, a ram. I've read it multiple times. Abraham says confidently, God will provide a lamb and God provides, but he provides a ram. But I want you to fast forward. I want you to fast forward 2,000 years later. There was another father who would be asked to sacrifice his son on top of a hill. And in that moment, God would indeed provide a lamb. The lamb of God, the sacrifice for all mankind. Jesus, the lamb of God became our sacrifice. He became enough for us we were sinners we were enemies of God we were deserving of death but the lamb of God the father sent his son to climb a hill and the lamb was given on our behalf God will provide the lamb Abraham said and 2000 years later he did did the lamb of God making a way for us to be forgiven making a way for us to be right in God's eyes meeting the greatest need we would ever have in our lives the lamb of God you see the biggest need that you ever have has already been provided and God wants to move our hearts towards an understanding that God doesn't meet our needs it's not because God does it's because he is he is all the stuff you need, yeah, the material stuff, yeah, that's, that's well and good, but seek first his kingdom, he is enough. Seek first his righteousness, he is enough. We think about what God does for us, but instead, man, let's think about who he is. We began this series with these words, from 2 Peter 1, but it simply says his divine power has given us everything we need. He's enough. This morning, we're gonna close. I wanna pray for you. And today, I wanna pray that you today will acknowledge that he has already provided the greatest need you will ever have, a savior. The greatest need that you, the son laid down his life. The father gave his son on your behalf. And so if we believe that he has provided the greatest need that we would ever have today, we can trust. We can trust and we can seek him first. A relationship because of who he is. He is the provider. And if we can learn, if we can learn to trust that he is enough for us, then he will provide. He's already provided. He will continue to provide. Mandy's gonna sing a beautiful song. It's a song of faith. I think it's a song, a declaration in a season where times are hard, in a season where it's hard to trust. I think the song that she's gonna sing to close today is a beautiful anthem that all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good and i will sing of the goodness of god not because of the things that he does for me not because of the things that he's gifted me in my hands but because of who he is he is jehovah jireh he is my provider so today i want to pray that you'll trust that he's enough god we love you and we need you We don't need you to just do stuff for us, God. We need you. Not just your blessings, God, we need you. We don't just want material things and possessions. We want you, God. You are our provider. And so today we wanna sing of the goodness of God. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at org for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.